Are you listening to this show hoping to get some golden nuggets to help you on your way to recovery? Well, great. I hope that you find them because that is exactly what this show is for. But if you really want to take your recovery all the way, completely commit and get on track with your goals, whether they be finally feeling overall healthy, finally getting pregnant, or finally getting back to training, you'll want to join us inside of the HA Society. Not only is this the perfect community to ask questions and get your support and the accountability that you so often need during these uphill battles with body image and understanding nutrition and incorporating exercise, but it's also a hub of exclusive resources for HAers. All of the HA podcast episodes are released in advance and completely ad-free, so you can listen on the go to the raw, unedited versions, uninterrupted. All of the one-on-one coaching calls, of which we have two a week in different time zones, are uploaded to our private podcast feed so that you can listen to events with practitioners and the past community calls as though they were bonus podcast episodes, because I know how much you love to listen to this kind of stuff. And in these calls, we cover requested topics like overcoming the weight gain fears, communicating with friends and family about our HA, diving into how HA works, and debunking the imposter syndrome that so many of us have around this diagnosis. There's also an entire resources section with lectures, workshops, and training from the past events that are hosted by experts like Sarah Liz King, Laura Lyons, Kaylee McDevitt, Holly Dunn, and many more. As a member, you also get direct access to myself and Coach Ashley in the DMs. So if you have personal questions or need individualized advice about your recovery, we're in there answering your questions in the DMs, as are all of our other members in the group who impress me week after week with how they show up for each other. It's incredible. It's like women are just all becoming mini coaches for each other. It's so good. The HA Society is really the place to be if you're going through recovery, no matter what stage you're at. Whether you have HA or you've got a few recovery periods, we have your back and we're all your new best friends. So come and meet us at thehasociety.com forward slash join. That's thehasociety.com forward slash join and the link is in the show notes for you okay on with the show welcome to the hypothalamic amenorrhea podcast i'm danny sheriff your host certified fertility awareness practitioner functional nutrition counselor and founder of the ha society and of course an ha recovery coach who has walked where you currently are walking. This is the place to come if you care about getting your period regularly. This podcast aims to educate, inform, and keep you motivated on your period and HA recovery track. So let's dive in. But last thing, nothing on the show should be taken as medical advice, so please seek the advice of your physician. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Hypothalamic Amenorrhea podcast. I have an episode today that I think all of you will have been pressing play on because it's about everyone's favorite topic, which is like exercise and when can I get back to exercise and and how do I exercise and like it's just one of the biggest topics. And we recently had an episode with Kayla. Um, It was not too long ago, just back in 
I think April. And Kayla was mentioning, you know, how going forward, she's, she's been able to reintroduce training and continue on body composition goals and things like that. And she's been working with this trainer and she kept mentioning this trainer, how much she loved her. And then after the call, I had to ask, I was like, who, (laughs) so who is this trainer that you love so much? Um, She gave me all of the details and I was like, we have to have her on the show. So Chanel Collette joins us. She is the founder, CEO, all the things of Chanel Collette Fitness um, and her coaching team are audacious athletes. And she's a fitness coach and strength and conditioning coach. Welcome, Chanel. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it, Danny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm so excited to have you on because I, I mean, obviously you have just been able to help women like, like kind of have their cake and eat it too, you know, like be able to train for fitness goals without running their bodies into the ground. And I understand you have your own story on this too. So I wanted to have you on to just like ask you questions, learn a little bit more about this, have the audience learn more about like what's possible, because I'm not sure if you know, but you know, in the hypothalamic amenorrhea community, um, there's just a lot of like, uh, exercise is just like bad it's bad you know it got you in this mess it, it like and I think that everyone knows intuitively that that's just not true it's just that there's an appropriate way to do it and it sounds yeah. like you figured this out and I just want to hear more about your story and learn a bit more from you about how to achieve this well I think I you know achieved this because I myself was in this hole for years Um, I got into bodybuilding literally immediately after getting off birth control. And so I was essentially inducing my own period. I was replacing my own hormones with exogenous ones. And then I got off the pill and found bodybuilding. I didn't do them. Like I didn't do them intentionally. It was interesting. I got married and I was like, I guess I don't need to be on the pill anymore. So, you know, I don't need to, you know, put exogenous hormones in my body. And then we moved and I found this random like bodybuilding centric personal training studio and they got me into it. And like, I was removed from a lot of some bad habits that I had accumulated in my lifestyle as uh, an early 20 year old woman working in a bar scene and also working at a commercial, very globo gym with like beautiful people who go out on the weekends and So you hear my story, like the pill was basically there protecting me that whole time, most likely. And then you throw me into like an bodybuilding environment where I was no longer participating in certain extracurricular activities. And like literally my body transformed and it, I lost a lot of body fat very, very quickly. I got exceptionally lean and like all women was like, well, I can stay here. So I literally tried and successfully stayed very, very lean for probably the first four years of my competition history. That's four years, four transformative years in my hormonal cycle of 24 to like 29. Um, So I basically from, from those four years may have had four cycles, if that, if that. So again, my story and my, my, my goal was never to be the kind of coach that Kayla talked about, you know, I, yeah, just you, you have, were your own perfect client at one point you had, you had yeah. HA. Oh, yeah. Okay. I had HA for a long time and I didn't know what it was necessarily. I, it was kind of like 
not being talked about. There wasn't women older than me talking about it. Um, there wasn't women my age talking about it in fitness, but also social media wasn't what it is today either. So I'm not saying that, you know, maybe they weren't among their own circles, but like, you know, among yeah. my circle, no, it wasn't happening. Um, and also my circle was in West Bygot, West Virginia. So like, that's where my husband and I had to move for his job and resources and everything about life was just different. Um, but so it came down to, I got really, really lean in 2015. And I got to the point where I do believe that I pushed my body well beyond this set point and this light switch and trigger just basically lit a fire in my entire system and was like, everything comes crashing and burning if you try to diet again. And lo and behold, I didn't listen to that light switch flipping. And in 2016, I tried to diet again. And I remember, I, I like, I distinctively remember doing two hours of cardio a day for a competition that I didn't even pick the show date because my coach at the time was like, I don't know what we're going to do. So we're not even going to pick a show date. We're just going to try to diet and see how it goes. I'm like, okay, well, getting down to like 1200 calories, two hours of cardio a day. I didn't lose weight for like four or five weeks in a prep. And like when you're in a quote prep for a show, bodybuilding show, and you don't lose weight for four or five weeks, like that's a big old red flag, big old red flag. And at the time, no, nothing okay. to the, my very first coach. Cause he was very new to coaching women. I think he was very successful with coaching men and he was very successful with coaching bodybuilders already. I chose him for my coach because of the achievements that he was accomplishing with men, not because of the achievements he was accomplishing with women. And again, I think a lot of men coached women like men early on. That was the goal is like, you know, why, why, why do we have to change anything? So, uh, you know, I just painstakingly had to separate myself from that coach and take a big deep dive into what I was going to do and who I was going to work with and who I was going to learn from. Um, and I had a wonderful coach named Jason Theobald, who I would honestly say would be a great um, addition oh. to your podcast resource. Um, okay. But, so another male coach, but a male coach that I found out was doing way more of the functional side of things when it came to nutrition and doing some unique things that with dietary protocols for women who were hormonally downregulated, whether they have HA or not, hormonal downregulation is Spectrum. just a side effect of dieting and a side effect of high energy expenditure. So as you know, the HPA access is, is balanced by intake and expenditure. So some women's HPA access is far more sensitive than others, and they can experience HA very easily if one of those things gets off kilter. But then there's some women who may have a very resilient cycle, but they see other hormonal markers downregulated. Like they might actually see low testosterone because of them training too much or eating too many calories or like it, it can like, again, the hormonal scope for a woman and the blueprint for each woman is so different. Um, but Jason really started speaking this language of like merging functional nutrition into contest prep and bodybuilding in the off season and making the body more resilient to a contest prep. And when you create that resiliency and when you create that stronger backbone hormonally and in like with your endocrine system as well, obviously the endocrine system is definitely tied here. We can't like talk about it without talking about the endocrine system, but 
he was just speaking a different language and doing different things. And, and we titrated my intake up. It's like, we spent two weeks, you know, surplus intake, then a week back down in maintenance. And we worked on my blood sugar regulation. And we did a lot of unique things that like my other coach was not even remotely going to tackle at that time. I'm sure that's something that coach tackles now with his clients, because I don't think you can really coach females in the bodybuilding space now and not have the functional side of things. It just wasn't there when I was in it. Um, or I should say successful coaches in the space. Um, there's probably a lot of bodybuilding coaches who still coach women like men, but Jason really got me thinking about how nutrition plays a role in creating this safe safety net for the body and creating this place of homeostasis where the body can finally be happy again and healthy again. And he really didn't ever do my training for me because my training was mine, like training and I that was where I found peace. That was where I found who I was as a woman. Um, like my mentality, if I don't know if Kayla led into that, but stronger, not smaller kind of birthed that, that mantra that I've said for years and years and years, that mantra birthed. And I think it, like social media picked it up. I, I don't think I'll ever get credit for it, but like that was birthed from me basically needing to convince myself that I don't need to be smaller all the time because being smaller only made me unhealthy, but being stronger, not only made me healthy in the long run, but it also made me more confident than I'd ever been in my life. So during my time with HA, I really like leaned into training and that's the opposite of what most women do, but I leaned into training in a very different way. I looked at it as a, as a total picture of volume. And I got this idea from Mike Zordos and um, he was talking on a podcast of some sort. It was like a YouTube round table and it was Mike Zordos and, and, or I think I might be mixing their names up, but Mike is Rattel and something Zordos. We might have to look in the show. We I know the is Rattel name. Wasn't he a pot of some other, um, company that was like macro tracking based company. Uh, I don't know if he's part of 3D MJ. I would have to go back in and look up some things. Oh, I just but, know the name. I remember the name. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm probably mixing up some names a little bit here. Um, so you'll have to forgive me, but Mike Isertel coined the term maximum recoverable volume, which is MRV. And MRV is something I leaned into really heavily. I mean, I went like all in on Excel spreadsheets on my training log. And I looked at what volume I was accumulating in training sessions. And I was like, well, okay. If, 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 if in order to get my cycle back, I have to decrease my expenditure, I have to then decrease my output, but I can't give up the gym because it is literally the thing that makes me who I am. It gives me my, the mental health that I need to go about my day-to-day -day life. It gives me the mental health I need to be a coach to other people. It also, at, a, at the time, my business was like going to require me to film videos. Like it was at the peak of Instagram. It was at the, like, I couldn't just retreat from the gym and still operate my business. I just couldn't. So I am like every other woman and I'm stubborn and most women who have HA are stubborn. And so I, I hear you, I see you, I'm here to talk about that. I was just that person, but that stubbornness led me to really going down the rabbit hole of, okay, here is my leg press that I did 
six months ago in the depths of my prep when I couldn't possibly, you know, I couldn't possibly fathom taking out more food and still being able to do this. So, okay, I'm just going to go less in the gym. I'm going to not go as hard. I'm going to give myself more rest and recovery. And it, it's literally looking at your training volume as a whole and trying to balance it out. Like a lot of women will smash a ton of volume on leg day. And it's because they're doing the leg press. They're doing the dumbbell RDL. They're doing all these high load movements. And then they're going in upper body and they're not really pushing that much load. They're not balancing it out. So um, a lot of what I started to do was anterior and posterior training sessions. So essentially they are total body, but I'm not doing deadlift and an RDL and a leg press all in the same day any longer. I'm spreading them out. And I'm also incorporating more rest in between those training days. So if I have a high volume training day, that's when I plug in a rest day. So I am speaking of this and like, I have been able to create my own schedule because I run my own business. So that is a luxury that I can have flexible rest days. I, I can have flexible training days. So there's just a caveat to this. Um, so I am aware that that is a luxury, but looking at your, like, I get, I do get upset when women are told they don't need to train to get HA or to to get themselves out of HA. And the reason being is because strength training regulates blood sugar. And if you can regulate your blood sugar better, you can likely get yourself out of HA as well. And the harmful side effects of HA, which is, you know, dysregulated insulin levels and, and also, you know, leading down the pathway of weight gain and stuff like that. So a lot of times, yes, women are going to have to gain weight. Yes. I gained weight. I gained the most weight I ever gained in my entire life to get my cycle back. But because I was happy in the gym and because I was, and I was still training in the gym, I was still in the place that I needed to be for my overall mental health. And I was recovering better. I was sleeping better. My sex drive was better. All of these other things were so much more positive by training being into the equation that that was my ultimate goal was like, okay, I want to teach women that they can still train. They can still be physically active but they might not have to be physically active in the same volume that they were doing before. And we have to take into consideration high impact activity. So unfortunately runners out there running's high impact. And that's one of those things that is going to be very, very problematic for a woman to recover from when she has HA and the caloric, the calorie expansion that you lose in one instance from like going on an hour long run, like that's, you know, 700 calories for an average size woman. And that it's not what she's going to want to eat after the fact and be fearful of, of weight gain at the same time. So running is one of those, those tough ones for HA. I'm not sure if you had any running coaches on the podcast about HA, um, but that would be probably a, a unique one as well, because I, that is one thing that I, I did have to like really cut back on was my higher intensity cardio. But so in a nutshell, yeah. that was what kind of led me down this path. And so my coach never did my training programming. I did it all myself because I felt like it was going to be kind of the pillar of who I am today. Like I knew that I knew that about the whole process. Um, so in most of the time, anytime people ask me to present or anything, they ask me to present on maximum recoverable volume and how I design a training schedule around hormonally imbalanced or hormonally less resilient bodies. Um, because again, the, the literature that we're not, women aren't studied 
in research in the realm of nutrition and, and, and training as much. Um, our bodies just aren't available to be the researcher or the research. Yeah. Um, so, and also women who have HA aren't being studied. So all this research about not needing to train according to your cycles and all that stuff. Well, I agree with that if you're a healthy ovulating woman, but until you're not a healthy and ovulating woman, research doesn't apply to you because you, you have to make changes. You have to do things that are different. Um, so, you know, I, I understand that it, because I have a normal and regulated cycle now, no, do I look at my training volume every single training session anymore? No, I don't need to. I know that my cycle is there. It's present. I, my hormones are in a good place. So no, I don't still dictate how I'm going to train based on my cycle. I don't think that that is something that has to be done to a, to a T all the time. Once you are a hormonally sound individual, but until you are, I think there is a necessity for changing your training modalities. Mm, so much good stuff here. So what, so you basically saw you had a problem and figured out your very own solution, like knowing about, yes, like the literature, but also yourself and what you needed. Um, so there was definitely like a lot of sacrifice was still involved in making that, that decision Absolutely. that I that I can like see through the lines here because it's so easy for us to be like, yes, you know, I had to do this to make these changes, but like on the other side, it feels great. But in the moment, you know, yeah, like there, you, you no longer got to train in the way that you felt was probably the sexiest way mm -hmm. and the funnest way. And like, you did still acknowledge like some weight gains going to have to happen. So you weren't like delusional, you no. know, about, mm -hmm. about this. I mean, maybe a little bit in the beginning, baby. I mean, again, there's, there's a level of stubbornness. That's what gets you an AJ to begin with. So we can't negate that. Yeah, no, for real. <laughs> because definitely like, I'm sure you would imagine that we get a lot of, um, inquiries like can you help me recover my cycle whilst maintaining exercise and in general say we say like we'll try you know we'll try, we'll try. it depends what you're willing what you're willing to do and like what you can let go of because there's a big difference between can you help me get my cycle back whilst without me having to make any changes to how I'm training there's a difference between that and can you help me get my cycle back like while I do some level of exercise yeah. and you just spoke to the benefits of resistance training for blood sugar and things like that. Are there any situations where you see some people do need to take a step back for some reason or another, um, entirely for a period of time? Absolutely. Um, and a lot of times it has to do with some inflammation markers and how that inflammation is showing up in the body and, in general, if a female can't get the intake that's needed to be able to train. So that's the other caveat mm. is that women will traditionally want to undereat, or they traditionally just do undereat. Like they're, you know, they're busy moms, they're waking up at the very last second of their alarm, like they're setting their alarm where they basically have to like get down 
to a science every little step of their morning to get out the door and there is no leeway and they're constantly running in this like overdrive and overstimulated state mm. and they're not really thinking about food or focusing on food. And so when I get a client and I can't get them to get their intake up over 1200 calories or more for, and I say average height. So woman, you know, I would say five, three to five, six is like average height of a female I work with, you know, if she's in that range and she can't get her calories up to 1200, like I'm going to be like, we, we can't train, like you're eating below your BMR right now. So we do have to take into consideration a basal metabolic rate. So like, if you are eating below that, you can't be doing training. Now, can we walk? Sure. Can we do yoga, like light intensity yoga, not hot yoga, not none of this like yoga that's turned into like a full blown, like 700 calorie workout. No, mm-hmm. but restorative yoga on the, in the comforts of your home from a YouTube video, sitting on the, your carpet in the front of your TV. Sure. We can do that. Um, but you know, we have to take into consideration basal metabolic rate like that. You know, those are the, those are the clients that I'm like, training can't be a part of the equation. So there, there are some like cutoffs where it's like, okay, mm-hmm. but if it's one of those things where a lot of women truly do get their intake up with HA and they haven't gotten their cycle back. Um, and that's kind of common mm-hmm. too. And that's the, that's the down, like the, the, the tricky slippery slope that some women can find themselves in is they're like, I'm eating 1800 calories. I'm eating 1900. I'm eating 2000 and it still hasn't come and come back. And at that point, that's when we have to look at training variables as well, a little bit more in depth. And, you know, I always kind of wonder because, because women are workhorses inherently, um, and that's what gets you, gets what gets you into HA to begin with. So, um, so, you know, if I give them only four exercises to do at the gym, are they only doing four? Are they doing only four sets? Are they going to six sets? Are they doing this crazy 30 minute mobility warm up that's turned into a full yeah. workout? Um, are they getting on the treadmill after and not telling me? You know, there are unfortunately some, some, you know, uh, it's what, what, what's the what, book? Well, I can't think of the word exercise. Um, exercise, in, it's like when you overly exercise. Like, oh, oh, yeah. Like it just, oh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Gosh, I, it's like right over exercise, huh? Okay. Just but where people just like, um, orthorexia compu- orthorexia. compulsively. Oh, okay. Orthorexia. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, why can't I think Got of it? <laughs> okay, yeah. yeah. Like those, those behaviors and tendencies is see, it's like, that is really, we see the same thing. It's not so much, um, there's definitely a, a psychological aspect to like everything mm-hmm. that's going on that's driving the behaviors and keeping the stress up and the cortisol up, mm-hmm. even though you may be eating sufficiently. And we have found, yeah, it gets to a point where it's like to do that amount of exercise you're doing, like you may have to get up to like 3000 calories and like, it still might not work and you might not be comfortable to do that. It might not be practical. So Yeah. There's definitely a, a mental piece to this that needs to be in place. Well, and then the time. when you say things like 3000 calories, something I do unfortunately see is, is an overfeeding situation with a lot of women is that mm. they are overeating when their blood sugar regulation is not where it need not where it's dysregulated. So they're overfeeding in a dysregulated space or they're overfeeding in a place of gut dysbiosis to where they can't actually consume and process all of that food. And they're getting so bogged down 
digestively that we're also then creating kind of a, a domino effect there because a lot mm-hmm. of the causation of HA is maybe an over abundance of estrogen and a lack of progesterone and then an imbalance of both of those hormones. And when you have an overabundance of estrogen, you typically have digestive issues, elimination issues, constipation issues. So um, it and like the it is really like like I said, it's it's such an individual approach to get a female out of HA mm-hmm. um, because some women can get up to a lot of food and some women cannot like physically. And then there's other, like I said, byproducts of trying to get food up when the system isn't ready to bring in more food. Hey, are you trying to recover and maybe even fall pregnant naturally? I thought that might be you. And if so, we have created our best ever yet resource for you. Totally free. This is a masterclass. I've called it my masterclass because I have put everything into this, right? This masterclass is designed for you if you have HA or have had HA and are dealing with suboptimal cycles and you're serious about restoring those babies to full optimization and you want to create the ideal foundation for a pregnancy, this is going to be for you. So in this masterclass, I'm going to provide you a lot of things, including a lot of case studies, mine, Ashley's and Mishi's, as well as lots of our past clients and what their challenges were and what they had to do to overcome it. And we cover a really wide variety of types of cases of HA. So everything from primary amenorrhea and missing periods for years and years to short-term amenorrhea and what we did to handle that situation as well and how long it took these people to go from HA to pregnant with this system and how long it took them to go from HA to ovulating, of course, with this system. So lots of information, lots of case studies, lots of stats. We go through why this is not a weight gain plan and how we actually divide you into phases, the three phases of HA and determine what your starting point is so that you have a good idea of where you need to start with your actual changes and lifestyle and nutrition changes. We even cover questions like HA and people with a normal BMI and recovery for people who have had HA for too long. There's so much in this 60-minute masterclass, y'all, I'm impressed. And at the end, I'll also be running you through how to get a free HTMA, hair tissue mineral analysis through us, which is a part of our process for recovery and preconception clients that we're happily going to give you for free 99 as a massive thank you, of course, for joining the masterclass. So go to the hasociety.com forward slash masterclass or head to our website and you'll find a link for it and find when the next available presentation is going to be. That's the hasociety.com forward slash masterclass. And that's where, yeah. again, like that would be a situation where it's like, okay, can we train a little bit harder and bring up your intake at the same time? Can we, cause a lot of training will stimulate, you know, digestion and, and healthier elimination. So it's like, we can use training to our benefit. It's, it's still a good resource and it shouldn't be out of the equation because of the resource that it can provide for and the relief it can provide for the body. Mm. Yeah. I'm super curious what methods or tools you use to help sort of like track and identify this stuff with your clients. Like how do you sort of do that? 
So we, I love basal body temperature tracking because most women will still have temperature spikes. They'll still have some sort of drop in their temperature at some point in the month as well. So we can kind of start to get this, like a little bit of this, like imprint in their body. Cause like there is an imprint that exists, um, glucose monitoring, both fasted and post perannual. I actually really like the post perannual two hours or three hours after consuming food. And the reason being is because most women um, wake up in the morning and we have the dawn effect and we have an early, early rise where we're waking up at five, five thirty. We're waking up before the sun sets and we're waking up before that cortisol spike even happens. We're kind of fighting, like beating our body to that. Um, so the, so, you know, two hours post perannual or three hours post perannual is really helpful for blood glucose testing. It's a really annoying thing to have clients do it, but if I can okay. teach them the importance of it, it's one of those things that's literally like, it indicates to me their, their threshold of carbohydrates and where their inflammation or where their stressor responses is occurring in terms of their diet. And it allows me to, to understand how to shape their diet the best way possible. And it allows me to know where their highest carbohydrate meals might need to be present in their day, which is around their training window. So, you know, utilizing training and carbohydrate intake to our benefit can help really one nourish the client, nourish their body. They're getting enough fiber out of their carbohydrates that they take in around their training window. And we start to see a lot more positive aspects of like tracking blood glucose and body temperature. Um, also tracking elimination habits, you know, how, what does it look like? How does it feel? Is it easy to pass? Is it not like those like little things, um, you know, people don't necessarily want to ask their clients those questions, or they don't have a way in which they can track that because they're checking in with their client via WhatsApp or some app mm. that's just like the basic stuff, like where they're just checking off some of these basic yeah. things. I build out an Excel spreadsheet for every client. And that Excel spreadsheet looks different. And again, overwhelming cases like HA clients, they have a very overwhelming spreadsheet. So it started, as soon as I can get them to a healthy place, like I want to start eliminating their columns because it can be a lot. Um, and so it's like, okay, if we got their cycle back, then I start to eliminate, you know, some of the things like basal body temperature. Cause it's, if we got it back, we got it back. We know what day we're going to have it on. And we just need to track which day of the cycle they're on. Cause when you get HA or when you re get recovery from HA, you might have one cycle and then still go three months. You might have, you know, a second cycle and then go another 38 days. Um, and then you, you know, you kind of have to watch that gap close in the cycle window. A lot of times, most of the time it doesn't happen. And then they end up getting it every 25 Perfect. days. Yeah. It no, ends up being that never, like, ever happens. <laughs> yeah. Nobody ends up going typically from ha not having it to having a 22 day cycle. Um, most of the time it's, it's, it's extended. So we want to track those things. We track things like steps because steps are a great thing for both energy expenditure and also helping me understand their day-to-day -day life. Like, again, mm -hmm. I, when I didn't, uh, I'll share a story of when I didn't track steps for an individual who was a fitness professional. And this was earlier on in my career coaching is, you know, I was tracking, we were doing her cardio or training. We cut her training volume down. We cut her cardio volume down. We were feeding her. But just by be her being a trainer, she was doing like 22, 26,000 steps a day on the floor training clients early in the morning yeah. and late at night. And I was doing a disservice by not tracking her steps because that was a huge part of the equation. There was no way 
that yeah. I would have known how much she was doing. So she was an individual who we did pull some training out of when she didn't really want to, but I was like, you're basically training all day long. Yeah. Yeah. If this is a non-negotiable for you, then yeah, we need to pull levers elsewhere. I love hearing that you have that experience too, where like you have to ask questions, so many questions because, and you don't even know what you're looking for. It's just like, there just might be something that I'm missing here. Yeah. As, as much as I hate to say it, but a lot of times it's, it's throwing an arrow at a dartboard and seeing what sticks and like, yeah. (laughs) Anybody who's suffering with HA, you just have to be exceptionally patient with the professionals that are willing to work with you and willing to ask you questions. What you have to be weary of is the person who's not asking you questions. Mm -hmm. The person who's not asking a plan and follow the plan. Yeah. Yeah. The one who's not asking you questions literally has no idea what they're doing and they're brushing off what you're saying. They're not taking a deeper dive into it because again, everybody's blueprint looks so different. Everybody's causation for HA typically looks different. Like it's not the same. It's not a prescription situation where every person fits a certain mold. I mean, you can, you know, with, with coaching Kayla, like I've done two deficit phases with her now, very successful deficit phases. Um, Unfortunately, the very first one, we did lose her cycle in only one, only like we only missed one, but it was like, I knew exactly because I'd already been coaching her through that. I knew exactly how to not lose that one again. Like we just Mm -hmm. lost one and then we got it right back. And she she was a little extended once we got it back in her cycle window. But again, because I had that time with her before we dieted, I already knew the steps I needed to take to get her back and back and regulated. And again, a lot of people don't necessarily work with somebody for a longer period of time to kind of allow that person who is asking those questions to really like, help them figure out like she has become so much more in tune with her body's own dysregulation like she can sense it she can tell me because of all the questions that I've asked her over the year two and a half years something like that of us working together so again how she's experienced HA is totally different from my own experience like hers is very expenditure based um, whereas mine was very dietary based Um, some women Mm -hmm. do need more. I was one of those individuals who I just needed to eat more. Um, I could still train, but I just needed to eat more and like eat more to the point where I was not comfortable. And I did have digestive feedback and I did have some dysregulation occur in my blood sugar. And that sent me, sent me in a different situation as well. Um, so yeah. So like I said, it's just be more weary of somebody who's not asking you questions. Like asking questions is not a sign of like, well, it is, I don't know, but it's not a sign of, of me not knowing enough information to help you. Mm. It's me knowing the right information to help you. Yeah. I'm glad that you share, we, we definitely share that perspective too. That like, this is a lot more of an individualized issue than people on the internet have made it out to be. Mm-hmm. And that you're so right. And like, there are some people are going to be more responsive to changes in training where some are going to be more responsive to changes in exercise or like maybe you need a new job you know what I mean but I get that that's so individual and that can take that just takes time to get to the bottom of sometimes yeah unfortunately yeah like it's a process and you know if there if you have you read um the body keeps the score no but I do know of the book yeah it's it's I've only read excerpts from the book it's one of those books that's really really like heavy Um, it's Mm. a lot, and especially for some, I have a, 
really just heavy history in general growing up and how I was raised and what I experienced and what I was put through as a child. Um, so a lot of people who end up getting to the point of HA do have, I feel in my heart, something of their like past that has created part of the reason in which they're either leaning into a low calorie diet or a low calorie lifestyle or leaning into the orthorexic behaviors that typically lead to, um, you know, HA, but, and that could be a little bit of a stretch and a little bit of woo woo for people. And this is where I'm not typically a woo woo person. Like I'm very much to the book, to the science. Like I like, I like research, but when there's no research being done on women with HA, like, what do you turn to? You have to turn to mm. a little bit more in-depth view of the human body and the physiology and the psychology of the mind and how it's all interconnected because unfortunately they're not doing research on HA. So like, it's just not happening yet. And eventually maybe it will be more, um, be more, I guess, researchable and women will want to be more devoted to it. But I think it's probably going to take a female researcher who's wanting to get into it. Um, because I don't think it's like, there's not a huge market for it. Um, but I think with the popular, mm. with the popularity of birth control, you being used to regulate the cycle, I think that there might be more studies in the future because birth control has become so popular and a lot of women suffer HA after they come off of birth control. And I feel like there's going to be, I'm just so hopeful and I wish I had the education myself to do it, but I'm very hopeful that there is going to be the creation of a birth control pill that it will be so much better for women to go on it when they would like to go on it. And when they would like to come off of it, come off of it more successfully. Um, because I am not a, I'm not an anti-birth control coach. Um, I think for a lot of women, it's really like somewhat of a of the backbone that they need or the imprint in their body that they've never been given. Um, and that's, again, the body keeps the score. Some women are not super resilient. So if you're not super resilient, there could be a birth control out there that might help with your own resiliency and might be better for you to stay regulated because I'm a huge fan of women actually having a bleed because of the help, help that it has with bone mineral density and also muscle tissue, uh, uh, being able to accrue muscle mm. tissue. Okay. Because that's going to make your Got life it. longer. So to, yeah, to clarify, you're like, um, I wish there was like a, a pill that was actually genuinely better at helping women with hormonal issues and not yeah. actually just like what it. And there, really and again, there are thousands of birth control pills, thousands of them. There are so many. Um, and there are some that do help with growing muscle mass and do help with balancing out, you know, progesterone or balancing out estrogen. But I just feel like there's going to be like one bit more that, nuance to that. Yeah. Yeah. That there just mm -hmm. might be, because again, women, women age 20, I would say it was 20, 20 to 25 are typically using birth control to prevent pregnancy. And that is a, a power that women have now. And that's a beautiful power. And I feel like a lot of times somebody wants to tell a woman, well, you got to get, I uh, got to get up birth control. And I'm like that, well, that changes her life far more than HA would. <laughs> so, um, so, you know, if that, if that woman doesn't want that to happen and doesn't want that for her life at that moment, um, you know, you have to be cognizant of that. You have to be empathetic to that. Like we have that choice. Um, so yeah, I think, like I said, there's, there's definitely like a blueprint 
birth control for, for someone when some women with HA, I think you just have to take a deeper dive and be able to look at the actual contents of that birth control drug too. Hmm. Interesting perspective. Mm -hmm. We we don't, we generally, we don't have a lot of like birth control conversations for obvious reasons. Yeah. I know because it gets gets a little bit of a bad rap because it does cause HA for so many women. It truly does. And in the transformative years of your cycle and your hormones regulating around your twenties, which is when most women get on it, that's when it does become like a a little bit of an issue. But these are when I like to look, like, I love getting a younger female who had, who is asking me those questions because I'm like, okay, let's get a hormone panel before you go on the pill. Mm. But like, I will say the majority of my clients are typically 25 and older. Um, and that's probably because I am third, I'm, I'll be 38 this year. So I do think that, you know, like attracts like, but when I do get the benefit of working with somebody who's in a younger demographic, I'm just, and they are, are questioning, you know, I'm going off to college or, I'm, you know, I'm into the workforce and I'm a single woman, like I'm, I need to be on the bill. And I'm like, okay, well, let's get your blood work done first. Let's see where your levels are at. And let's do some research together on what pill really is going to mirror what you already are or help you in an area you need to be benefited in. Because some women like don't need to be on Yaz and they're prescribed Yaz and some women do need Yaz and some women don't. So again, that's a very individualized picture. And I think that's where it's like, one size does not fit, fit, fit all in the pill use and one size doesn't fit all in getting your you know cycle back and regulated. Right. And of course, like some people just straight don't want to be on the pill right like that's a huge um that's a huge movement and like thankfully we do have like basal body temperature and the fertility awareness method like for those people Mm -hmm. so there's just like a plethora of um you know options of people to take based on yeah like who they are and where they're at in life and what they're comfortable with like to your point of some people like just would rather have ha yeah (laughs) sometimes you know which sucks of course but that is that is the world we live in. Yeah. And we have to make we have to make it like more approachable instead of be like, you know, like bigots <laughs> of of like do it naturally. Well, there's and I and I there's so many dogmatic perspectives in the whole fitness space as a whole. It's like this is the way. And I'm like, mm, no, it's not. Mm. No, no, it's not. Yeah. You can't, Especially I, like, fitness industry more than anything is like, I know you can, yeah, you cannot be dogmatic in how you approach the human body because it will literally come to bite you in the ass in some way, shape or form. Like what worked for five of your clients might literally put one client in the worst shape they've ever been in in their entire life. If you are not mm-hmm. careful. And if you're not asking the right questions and if you're not doing your homework on that particular body and lifestyle, it could literally backfire for you as a coach. Um, And that's just where like some people are just like so gung ho about like, this is how I do things. This is how my clients do, do all their stuff. And I'm like, but have you asked them how they would like to do it? Like, have you given them a choice in this matter? It's one of those things where it's like, yes, they pay us for our advice and they pay us for our service and they pay us for our knowledge, but are you letting them take a front seat or are you taking the front seat all the time? Mm, And yes, with HA, those people tend to want to take the driver's seat all the time. 
And again, this is where that, you know, psychology comes into the equation. It's like, sometimes I do have to take a little bit of the driver's seat and be like, put my foot down and be like, mm, nope, I don't think we're ready to go into a diet phase yet. We've only had the cycle for three months. <laughs> like yeah. you really don't understand how you build a homeostasis within the body. And that comes from six to nine cycles in a row at okay. a good length of time. Um, so yeah, so yeah. I think that that's typically one of the biggest questions I get asked once I, once I do get a female, how long, yeah. How long can I diet? And <laughs> go into a diet. Ooh, yeah. That's the I appreciate your question. answer on that. Yeah. If, if, yeah. 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 It's always so funny because there's always this like level of excitement and joy that I have from my client. And then I have for myself. And I mean, yeah, it's like, Oh, I get to pat myself on the back, but I know as soon as that happens, I have about two or three weeks before I get asked. So when can I die? And I'm like, not for a while, like maybe a year. Okay. When can I add running back into the equation? And I'm like, well, what got you here? Do you think we should add it right back right away? <laughs> like I have yeah, to ask them funny? questions. I have to play a little, I have to play a little devil's advocate and I don't do it to be an asshole. I do it for them to think and to, again, try to give them a little bit of the driver's seat, because as long as they don't feel like it's this do as I say, not as I do situation, and like they're coming up with the plan and they're aware of the benefits of, of waiting, then sometimes it ends up being a kind of a beautiful thing. But I will say the, the good rule of thumb is however long you didn't have a cycle, you probably should give yourself that long to have one. So it's kind of the same script of like, if you had a four, you know, an eight week diet, you should not diet for at least 16 weeks. Um, and the same goes for like, however long you went without a cycle. And I think that that's where I screwed myself up is as soon as I got it back, I was mm -hmm. like, oh, I can contest prep. And so like I spent yeah. a year not, not dieting. And, you know, that, that to me in my head was enough because everybody just says it's a year's time. But I think I needed more than a year. I really did because I had, I lost it for four. So I think that even I made the mistake of jumping in too soon in like yeah, early yeah. on. I I'm retired now from bodybuilding. So I don't think about contest prep anymore. Um, and I really, I was just telling my friend the other day, I was like, I've never done like a lifestyle diet. Like I've never just dieted for like eight weeks and then like just seen what I do. I've never done any of that stuff. I always dieted with the intention of stepping on stage. That was just always like an interesting way of diet, like diet mindset for me. It's like, oh, I diet to put on this like little tiny bikini and walk in heels and like stand in front of judges and tell me how good I did at my diet. So yeah. my diet perspective is always, it's like very skewed. Like I'm like, you diet for a vacation? What? That's one like two days. Like, why, why are you dieting for that? Why do you got diet for that? Well, I think what's interesting is a lot of women are just, they just, they are always dieting. There's always a reason to diet. Like, well, yeah. there's always a reason. Just like being alive, you know, is a reason. And we come across something, we call it unicorn syndrome. It's a popular term um, where most women just seem to think that they, I don't know, maybe most women is generalizing. A lot of women um, feel like, yeah, I, I get it. Eight weeks diet, 16 weeks off. Like, yep, yep, got it. Mm -hmm. That for you, not for me. <laughs> like oh yeah for, for yeah, me yeah. Okay. now I see where you're going yeah yeah like for me that feels a little uncomfortable like I think I think that that just wouldn't work for me I think I would probably just 
balloon out. And, and, you know, I truly believe that that's what most women who get stuck in a chronic dieting cycle believe, because like, we've all heard this, like we've all heard that you shouldn't diet forever and that like you should take it easy and that there should be balance. And so, but that we don't do it, you know? Yeah. So do you come across that much in, in clients where it's like, yeah, just like that pushback or how do you see that in your population? Um, definitely a lot of pushback. Obviously I am because I do bodybuilding contest prep for people as well. I'm also known for getting people pretty lean and shredded. Um, so it's like, I have to wear two hats. I wear the hat of a functional coach who does help women, you know, achieve their physique of their desire with also Mm. balancing out their hormones. And then I also put women in a stressful situation with their hormones and their endocrine system by putting them on stage and getting them way past the and below their set point. So I have clients who see these, these, these people that I, that I post and I share about. So I know that in their head, they're thinking, well, like she can get this person shredded. Why can't she get me shredded? Um, and why isn't it yeah. my time? And why isn't it my, my And so I've always been very cautious with posting clients and I've always been hesitant to do it. I didn't post client progress photos until like, I don't know, like two years ago. And once I started my team, I really saw the the, the impact that progress photos do have in your business yeah. but I was very <laughs> it because I feel like progress photos typically for every one client you might get out of a progress photo, you may have hurt or created a, a mental hangup for three or four of your current clients. And I truly believe that. And that's why it's a very sticky situation to completely depend in your business on just posting a bunch of client progress photos um, because it only creates clients comparing themselves to your other clients. And I know that because I did it myself. I was a client for so many years yeah. for all these different coaches and I did it too. So I know that I know that it exists for my clients. You know, we see it too. We see it in, um, oh, she got her period back in X amount of time. Where's mine? Oh, like yeah. we just, we do it everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. We have the... We want to compare ourselves all the time. So it's like, yes, there's this unicorn syndrome where it's like, I, I, that won't apply to me. But then there's also like, why am I not there yet? So I don't know that like the, 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 the push and pull between those two perspectives, but Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I do think that the pushback that I get is, is normally, it's normally something I can, I can put out a little bit. Um, Most of the time when we get to that point, I, they, they do, they, I'm very fortunate. When we get to that point, they do trust me a lot and they do, awesome. they have bought into the process and yes, they might ask me those questions of when can I diet? When can I start running again? When can I do a half marathon again? And I'm like, Hey, 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 like, let's, let's take this down a notch. Like, let's just be happy. And like, I also remind women that you don't just like, like your body doesn't just stop losing body fat, like tomorrow. Like it's, it's always this interesting thing in this. I always use the reverse diet mentality. Like if, when you go to reverse diet, I'm like, we don't just turn off the light on fat loss because we've just given you 200 calories back to your diet from your reverse. We don't just shut that light off. The body is not that easy to manipulate but you actually still are able to lose body fat through other avenues. Like the way that we actually oxidize body fat, it's like, it's such a complex process. And I'm like, that's why in a reverse diet, you can still lose weight. We increased your calories, but 
what's also happening is we turned on a furnace inside your body. And now your metabolism is speeding up. And now you're doing more work in your training sessions, not inherently thinking like you might not be doing more work physically on the piece of paper that you're writing down, but like each rep, you're being more intentional, each rep, you're more focused because your brain and cognitive functioning is improving. And it's like all these little interwoven aspects of the body are actually working in unison. So this also applies for a woman who's eating at maintenance or who is eating at a surplus. Like you don't just stop your body from being able to lose body fat. So when I teach them that, then I can teach them composition improvement and body recomp. And when you actually are having that long cycle, process. Yeah. When you're actually having a, a, a cycle, your ability to improve your body recomp exactly like it's, it's like through the roof, like it's a drastic change. And this is where Kayla's progress ended up happening so much with her body and with her shape and her physique. Yes, she did have to get to a point in body fat where she was not comfortable and she did have to eat a large amount of food, but she has actually shifted her, her set point of calories to a higher point because she spent so long eating that amount of food and dealing with like the repercussions of that, which is the body fat gain. But now her body has been able to recomp and gain muscle in ways in which she didn't even have the muscle she has now when she was competing. And that is the beauty of like, once you get a healthy body again, it's like, you can actually build muscle. You can actually perform better. You can actually cognitively function better in your day-to-day -day life. And we, and I think what people who do suffer with HA, they, they've been suffering for so long that that's just their normal. And they don't know mm -hmm. what it actually feels like to train outside of that range of what they think is normal. And I yeah. was guilty of it too. I was guilty of it too. I didn't know what training and having a cycle regularly would feel like. Yes, it sucks on the first day of your period. You have a little bit of backache and you're crampy, but put on a big T and go train and you'll probably feel better after your first one to two day of cramps. And I'll take that any day over my body, not being able to build muscle mass and not being able to, mm -hmm. you know, have a sex drive and not being able to digest and process carbohydrates as well. Like all of those things are like huge, huge impacts and improvements to your body that happen when you do get out of HA and you stay out of HA for a long period of time. Yeah. Reset, like give it time. We're all so in such a rush. Yes. You know, that's something I really got out of our conversation is like slow, steady, respect the body, respect the science, like do it properly. Um, and it, it's possible, but just like patience and hard work and, and like, relaxing about the whole thing like that that's been a big takeaway appreciate that yeah thank you so much I feel like I could ask you a million more questions like I want to know about your experience with vegetarianism and I want to have like more um mindset well, I have no experience with that. I'm not vegetarian well if you like have you ever had clients who are and just like do do you notice uh differences in their um in their progress or, or, but, but maybe you don't, maybe they're old. Um, you know, I, I really can't say that I have, I've worked with a lot hmm. of clients who are a vegetarian, not vegan though. Um, I've not yeah. worked with okay. any vegans. Yeah. Big um, difference. Big mm -hmm. difference. Um, so, but vegetarians and pescatarians. Yeah. That's, that's easy. easy yeah. Piece. Yeah. Vegan, I, yeah. vegan with HA. Yeah. 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 No debt. 100%. You know, you're completely right. It's a, vegan and pescatarian pescatarian especially like not not a big deal yeah, and, a, and yeah, a lot of times curious. women 
in order for me to combat my digestive issues that I was, that I was dealing with during my recovery with Jason Theobald, um, he actually suggested, um, because we needed to get my calories up and basically I was like having a really hard time processing and digesting mammal meat, like, and poultry that we cut out mammal meat and poultry, uh, poultry being the biggest one, like it just, the breakdown process of that protein source is a lot on your body. And so during that recovery process with Jason, I did cut out chicken for almost a whole year. You know how expensive my grocery bill was not eating enough protein and eating enough calories to support my recovery, but not being able to eat chicken or ground beef (laughs) or turkey. I don't like turkey anyways, but like literally the cheapest protein sources that are available to us. I couldn't eat. And honestly, I felt the best I had ever felt. Like I felt so good just eating. I was eating like Greek yogurt, cottage cheese, either, or I wouldn't eat both on the same day, um, eggs, whole eggs and seafood. And those were my protein sources. A lot of people feel great. Yeah. Yeah. I hit all my protein goals for every single day. And I was eating like at that point, like 140, 145 grams of protein. Um, I had a lot more muscle mass on my frame now, so I could definitely use more protein than I do now, but, um, but yeah, it was, um, it was a great, it was a great experience. And a lot of women, like it's tough. You, you, you only want to cook fresh food. If it's seafood, like I had to, you know, figure out which seafood tasted good, heated up for me to meal prep, because I don't want to make every meal fresh. Like I don't have, I work from home, but I don't still have time for that. So, um, so it was definitely a different experience for sure. But, um, so if anybody, you know, is dealing with getting food high enough, um, might need to like, look into that option for protein substitutions too. Mm. Wow. Well, thanks for answering that bonus question. I appreciate it. Yeah. Random, random, but that's a good point though. That was a great point. Yeah. Okay, cool. So where can people go to find out more about you and your company and work with you or see some of your progress, client progress photos, but keeping in mind that the results vary? Yeah, the results vary. Um, so most people know me from either my YouTube channel or my Instagram, both of which are Chanel Collette. Um, my YouTube channel gained a lot of traction during my competition years because those were things that were you know, easy to share. Most of the time I'm just sitting here at my desk doing clients and either talking on a podcast or recording voice memos. So like my day-to-day is very different than it was when I was on YouTube a lot, but there's still a lot of great resources there. And I'll still a lot about my story and who I am and how I came to be what I am today. Um, and I do want to get into YouTube more because I feel like I am better at long form content than where short form content has just kind of exploded on Instagram. Um, I just don't think it's my, my preferred method of communication. Yeah, same. I totally agree. That's why I'm I'm sure (laughs) I'm trying to get there, but, um, I've also, you know, thought about a podcast, but I just didn't, again, don't know where that would go. Um, I think I do, like I said, want to invest in, in more YouTube and time there. I do like editing videos. It's not something I don't like. So but you, uh, Instagram at Chanel Collette. And then if you would like to check out my team and everything that we do, it's audaciousathletes.com and audaciousathletes underscore coaching at Instagram. Amazing. Thank you so much. I so appreciate your time. And I'm sure people will be really interested to find and go, go and learn more and find someone who understands this issue in the context yeah. of exercise. So we appreciate having you in the world. 
Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It was so nice to meet you. Yeah. All right. Bye guys. Bye. Hey there, it's me, Danny, and I want to tell you about TempDrop as a fertility awareness method tracking option. So many of you guys know that we actually recommend the fertility awareness method both as you're going through recovery and 100% after you have gotten some cycles back and you're starting to move forward for the rest of your reproductive years. So TempDrop itself is a wearable fertility monitor and we love it. It's a wearable device, so you put it around your arm and you can use that instead of taking your temperature manually with a thermometer each morning. So I'm personally a big fan of the manual tracking, all of us at the HA Society are, and that's the method that we use, you know, just using a good old thermometer. We use that with our clients because it's the best way to use it as a diagnostic tool, as a practitioner. And it's also the best way to ensure if you're trying to avoid pregnancy that you don't get pregnant. However, manual temping for many reasons is just not always an option. When you're in the middle of recovery, again, we do recommend manual temping. But once you're cycling, the temp drop is actually a really great hack. So it gives you basically everything you need to effortlessly track your fertility status, like where you are in your monthly cycle. So you wear the temp drop sensor while you're sleeping for accurate basal body temperature readings without the stress of early morning wake-ups. So I personally love this because with a toddler, my wake-up times are all over the place and the occasional sleep disruptions make using an oral thermometer a lot more difficult. So TempDrop's accompanying charting app enables you to track an array of symptoms alongside your basal body temperature. This includes tracking your cervical mucus, if you've been using OPKs, and then it also gives you sleep insights too. So you can combine these fertility signs all in one place, and that will help you identify your fertile window, confirm ovulation, plan for your period. And if you're trying to get pregnant, you know, identify whether or not you are pregnant. So whether you're trying to conceive or avoiding pregnancy, or you want to chart for health reasons, like HA recovery, making sure your cycle's not slipping back in the HA direction, TempDrop makes fertility awareness accessible to all women, even if you don't have regular cycles or sleeping patterns. So track your ovulation in real time with the TempDrop, and we are lucky enough to have a 15% off code. So if you go to their website, they're usually having a sale, but you can stack this code on top of the existing code. So just go to tempdrop.thehasociety.com and use the code AFHA Society. I think too, if you just go to tempdrop.com and, and use um, AFHA Society at the checkout, that will work too. So happy temping and good luck. This episode is brought to you by Grassland Nutrition Beef Liver Capsules. Did you know that in terms of nutrient density, beef liver actually blows vegetables and fruits out of the water? If you're a client of mine, you have already been instructed to eat beef liver either fresh or in capsule form. I recommend it for anyone and everyone who is, of course, dealing with amenorrhea and fertility challenges out there, but I may even recommend it for just everyone in general. Get your husbands on it. Get your partners on it. If you have a history of HA and 
add on top of that maybe a history of the pill, maybe you've been pregnant before, you know, through treatments or other, like you've just, your body's been through anything, you know, you're absolutely 100% dealing with a nutrient deficiency of some kind. And while it's true that testing is going to be the best way to understand those exact deficiencies, eating nutrient-dense real food is going to be one of the most important next steps that you take with or without testing. So I've been using and recommending Grassland Nutrition Beef Liver Capsules for years now. And the capsule form makes it so easy to get your liver in every day. And I appreciate the transparency of this product in particular above others. So in case you're wondering, it's completely natural. This is freeze-dried beef liver in capsules. It's organic. It's made from Australian beef. And my favorite of their products is the liver with kelp because of the iodine from the kelp, which is important for overall thyroid function, which is often low in women with underperforming hormones. So rather than eat seaweed snacks every day, I get to take this beef liver with the kelp for my iodine. So if you're recovering or working on a fertility journey right now, do not skimp the nutrient-rich source of beef liver. Get 10% off your order with the HA Society and support your favorite podcast along the way. They ship to most countries, so you should be covered. Just go to grasslandnutrition.net and use HA Society, just HA Society, at the checkout for the 10% off. That's grasslandnutrition.net with the code HA Society. Thank you so much for listening today, guys. Please subscribe to the podcast. And if you could head to iTunes specifically and leave a rating or review, that would help so much because it makes it easier for other people with HA who are Googling around to find the podcast really easily. So if you do that, you're doing a service to all of the women.